welcome to another podcast. It's Inside the World of Duotone. I'm Lewis Crathen, and today we are joined by a very special guest. It is the creative director, Florian Panther. Good, good morning, Florian. Wie geht's? Hi, Lewis. Guten Morgen. <laughs> it's, uh, it's working well. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you. I, I can't wait today to find out a bit more about your role as creative director. Of course, we're going to talk about that Porsche collaboration and that special Porsche yeah. kite, which I believe you're you're behind. But the first question I have for you today, Florian, is what does your role involve being the creative director for Duotone? What, do, what does that mean? Well, um, yeah, well, start starting with the big one. Yeah, uh, as you already said, creative director is uh, my official job title to... Most of the people can probably don't really or can't really understand what this means or don't really know what this means. So, I mean, in general, you can say that I'm responsible for the um, for the visual design or for the optic design of all our products and the boards and more. And um, we separate pretty much between the technical design and the visual design or others call it uh, trim and style or whatsoever. So this is mainly what I do take care about um, what you like, how the product looks like later on. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit more about your day-to-day life at Duotone later on during the podcast. But really, whilst it's a hot topic um, right now, I want to talk to you about Porsche and how that partnership has come about. And you are the man behind the design of the the, the 911 Kite. Can you tell me a bit more about how that's come about? Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, I want to point out that it's like pretty much everything we do is a team effort, right? So obviously there there's one uh, person in charge in most of the things, but especially here, it's something that uh, couldn't be there without also the involvement of the entire team at Porsche and also in our, and at, with the entire team here at Dutone. Um, yeah, so where do you want to start? Should we walk through the, the entire process of this collaboration or... Yeah, I, I, do you know what? I'd like to know how, I guess, how um, you, you as creative director, how you've been able to, you know, look at two different brands and bring them together in, uh, of course, one, one kite is one of the, uh, the outcomes of this collaboration. Let's, let's talk about the kite and the design of the kite. You worked on that yourself. Did it take a long time to come up with, with the design? Well, I mean, designing in general is always a process, right? So um, you start with uh, with a certain inspiration, and then you refine it through more and more uh, stages. And yeah, like you do a bunch of, of different designs, and you talk with the team, and you see what the outcome should be like. So um, in this case, actually, when we started this collaboration with Porsche, um, pretty instantly, we had the actually, I don't know who, whose idea it was in the beginning, but I mean, it was pretty obvious as we we're, we're doing kites. Um, and it's a performance product. So, so as a race car, it was quite obvious that we want to do something together um, sooner or later. And um, we had this first uh, talk. Like Tommy has been involved with Porsche a bit, a bit earlier than uh, than my stage. And we had this first talk about it would be really cool to do like a collaboration project on a kite. And um, so initially, we just sat down and um, brainstormed what we could do and. Um, what like how do we associate Porsche and what are the brand values we have in common and what could be what could be the theoretical outcome and um, pretty soon I think we started to just uh, yeah out of this brainstorm um, we started to just design or like throw ideas on the table what do, do what did we from Duotone perspective or from the Duotone side um, think like how could this look like like where are the 
were the ideas. And we had pretty much three main ideas in the beginning of this project. So first was historical motorsport, because I mean, Porsche has such a great heritage in, in car racing and motorsports. And so this was quite obvious. The first thing that jumped in our minds to have like designs of historical race cars or like things that, um, yeah, that, that, uh, Porsche became famous with. And, um, second idea was just modern shapes and like transferring all this racing know-how and racing technology knowledge into modern shapes. So how does a modern race car differentiate from like a historical race car out of the seventies or sixties or eighties. And, um, then the third idea was quite, uh, was a little bit more, let's say middle, a little bit more artistic. It was like, I'm always fascinated of like the difference between a racing car when you see it on the start line and on the finish line, because you really see that something happens in between, you know, you see yeah, the, dirt, I like that. the rubber from the tires, everything yeah. like, you know, like smashed flies on the windshields and everywhere. So, and, um, I was thinking, how does a kite, like, how could we transform this onto a kite design? And, um, so we generated, like, finally we generated, or we like designed to all these three main ideas. We designed like, um, a bunch of stuff and, uh, had the first meeting with Porsche together with this, um, project. And then obviously they came up with their ideas and their background knowledge was, which is like by, by far exceeds what we know about car racing, obviously. And, um, yeah, so from, from there, it was just, um, a collaboration and, um, we had the opportunity to see what they're doing in uh, in Stuttgart. And um, yeah, finally, I think this was like, in a, in a short explanation, this was the way to what came out in um, as, as the final product or the final first collaborated product between Porsche and Duotone. Oh, well, that's lovely to, to hear a bit of a backstory about it. Now, for any of our listeners that haven't seen the cart, you must check out the Porsche Rebel um sls edition it's wonderful it looks very subtle the design but it fits in incredibly well with um with both brands and so i'm bright in saying that you actually went to the porsche museum in stuttgart as well to sort of give you a bit of inspiration as well yeah definitely um so i as i studied in stuttgart this wasn't for me the first time but as oh, wow. um it's it's been the first time to have like to, to be there together with a team of uh, with porsche or a team of uh, guys to that work at porsche and obviously we got a deeper insight and uh, the first time we were there they showed us around through their facilities which are yeah it's basically just like a little uh a little town in in the town of stuttgart so it's uh it's very fascinating to get this deep uh, deep inside and inside view of a of such a such a historical and famous place and um yeah i also think that's it's super what's so interesting for me about this collaboration is that um you know even if Dutone is uh is the market leader in kiting or it's just a, a really big brand in, in kitesurfing compared to automotive we're just a niche brand with uh, niche products and it's really interesting to see like the mindset of people who work in such a large-scale company as porsche mm. and they have just, um, I think they bring really interesting idea, background knowledge, technological input, a lot of things that will help us to develop better products for the future. And they all throw this on the table. And um, that's, I think, from product and from design perspective, this is really cool about it. But um, yeah, Porsche Museum, it's um, it's been really cool to be there and to get a little bit of background knowledge and also had the opportunity to just yeah see everything inside and i don't know i mean cars are just uh, fascinating for me since i was a little kid so obviously this was uh, 
pretty nice hanging out there with the guys at Porsche. Yeah, I, I bet. And to go back to the same town, you mentioned you, I think you went to school in Stuttgart as well. How things come around in your life. But that's, uh, we will move on to some more questions about how you've got into your job and perhaps maybe some advice you have for young people or anyone looking to have some of the experiences you are. Because that sounds like quite a epic experience to not only be designing for Duotone, but then spend time at the museum and with the actual designers working on uh, a kite that you must look at, I imagine, and see. How does that make you feel when you see a Porsche uh, Rebel SLS flying when you're around the world kite surfing? Well, I mean, it's always, I would say, one of the most rewarding things for me to see one any of the products, basically, that we design live on the beach, in the air, flying and um, having, like, generating a, a little stoke on, on the customer who buy the products and I mean, this is obviously not just about the design, right? Design is just one of the, um, of the, yeah, let's say little screws that we, that we put together for a final product. I mean, there's the entire R and D, there's everything behind the product and design is just a part of it. But for me, this is like really rewarding because I don't know, I'm just a guy that really loves to, to design and to develop products. And I think that's also why I, why I started this as my, as my initial job or why I went to a university learning uh, industrial or studying industrial design. And, um, I think the, like, especially for the, for the Porsche edition rebel SLS, it's really interesting to me that it's like, it combines some of the values I see, or some of the design values that I see in Porsche as well in Duotone. So it's quite minimalistic. It has like a, a certain performance oriented design language. And, um, yeah, obviously there's like this little details in the beginning. I spoke a bit about the the design process so um how we ended up was like pretty much an interpretation of um a modern race car design or we found that there is certain details on a modern race car that you don't uh, you don't see on a street car um such as these little arrows that point on tow hooks and fasteners or um like ventilation slots in in all over the place for brakes um for housings uh, everything i mean um in general this is like, yeah, ventilation is just a, a big thing about race cars, obviously. And of course, the race number and other um, uh, sponsor stickers whatsoever. So, and we found that this is a really cool interpretation of um, of how a kite could look like in this collaboration. So, yeah, especially here, I think the product came out really cool. And um, I, I like it. It's, of course, a very special product. I mean, it's the first of its kind in this type of collaboration. Um, but I always enjoy seeing other, even this, this sounds a bit shoddy tragedy, but I, I always enjoy seeing our products at the beach or in nature, let's say. I bet it, yeah, I bet it has a totally different, um, meaning to you as someone that's behind the design scene and to just somebody that enjoys the look of them. Now you mentioned the lovely small, um, subtle details that make this kite what it is and something that Porsche are really into, which we share as well at Duotone is the next generation and supporting the next generation. And part of the, the idea of this kite is um, actually part of the sales will go towards the next generation of kiteboarding, really trying to support that. And we've seen Porsche's involvement with King of the Air and our athletes on the Duotone team. And I think that's definitely worth talking about. Now, am I right in saying only 222 of these limited edition kites have been made, Florian? Uh, yeah, that's correct. So, I mean, this is also a part of the, the motorsport idea behind it because like, you know, race cars are just built for racing, right? You cannot buy them normally, but there's these cars that um, they the car company who are like involved in, in car racing, 
they have to build a certain amount of cars. Actually, it's hard for me to explain in English. Maybe you know it better, or maybe you can explain it better. Um, I think it's in the German word is homologation. So I probably it's <laughs> wow. homologation in, in English. Okay. So pretty much it means that in um, in certain cars, like if you're in a Carrera Cup, for instance, it's the idea is that it's a street legal car or the basic of the race car is a street legal car. So the companies have to produce like a certain amount of these cars which are street legal to be able to participate or to be allowed to participate in um, in the racing series. And that's why in uh, from like an historic perspective, there were these limited edition cars from pretty okay. much every automotive brand that's been involved in, in motorsport racing. It was the typical thing for rally that they would build like 20 to 200 whatsoever homologation cars to participate in this uh, in this race series. And um, yeah, we found that it's a really cool idea to transfer this idea also. Um, we found it super interesting to transfer this idea onto the kite design together mm. with Porsche. So yeah, it's it's a limited edition out of 222 pieces. And each model has a, um, a serial number. So there is like number one of 222, number two, number three, number four, and so on. So it's have you got, much, have you mean, got number? Have you got number one? No, actually, I didn't got any. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th I thought you could. No. I was going to say, what sizes have you got? Then I was actually thinking he's got every size. You're the designer. Yeah, How did that happen? Yeah, probably I should have done this. Like, I think it was like a little, the entire project went out a little faster than I thought it would. So I spoke to Niklas, uh, who for everybody who don't know, it's the, the brand manager or the um, division manager of Duton. And also he controls all the sales. So I spoke to him the other day and I was like, hey, actually, how's the, the order situation with the Porsche guys? And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, they're actually all gone. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was quick. So that, I, that really, that really, they really are special limited editions and they're already gone out and they're already going up in value right now. I'm going to speak to, I'm going to speak to Tommy. Um, I mean, we, we built like a couple of kites for the shooting, which are not numbered, but I think it's less than 10 and they will not end up in sales anyway. So that's uh that's i think that's for instance the kites that liam is riding and um yeah maybe i can grab one of those i i gonna i gonna check with tommy for for definitely well i'm sure there might be some more in the pipeline let's see um with how much you porsche and your tone are doing together of course our kites are on a yearly basis so i'm not gonna put you on the spot florian but i wonder if behind the scenes there there is next year's kites always already in development let's see but this year and the first edition of um of the porsche limited edition rebel sls is, is a one-off a once-off and it uh, and for me it just looks absolutely wonderful in the, in the white and the the subtle tones now Let's move on from Porsche and talk a little bit about what you do as a creative director. And I'm going to really simplify this now. I want to know what your day-to-day -day role looks like. Start me off from home. So what time do you leave home? How do you get to work? Um, so you you know, Lewis, that we work close to Munich. You've been here. So I live in uh, pretty much central Munich and... Um, yeah, I think I have like pretty much a, a pretty regular office day as a lot of people, I would say. So, um, I mean, just because I work in design doesn't mean that I'm like doing only creative things from from the morning to the evening. So, uh, yeah, I usually get up between yeah around seven, I'd say, and um, aim to be in the office between eight and nine. And um, I don't have like a proper morning routine. Like I usually 
don't do much in the morning before I go to the office. So I just have a coffee at home and um, I jump on the bike or in the car a little bit, depending on the weather. So I used to go by bike all the time when I was a little younger, but I think I just, uh, <laughs> I just got a little lazy. <laughs> and um, yeah, like, you know, the boards and more is the parent company that runs Duotone. Yes, and that's um, correct. Uh, I we have like an in inside design department at the Baltimore and we work for all the brands that are involved with the Baltimore and the uh, Duotone is yeah I'd say pretty much the it's the our largest brand that has the most turnover um, and it's also the brand that we work the most for I would say so we have this internal design department that I uh, that I run and um, then we have we work together with um, different design agencies that have different tasks on different product groups. So there's not this one design process. There is a design okay. process Then I can walk you through when it comes to kites or, or twin tips or surfboards for Duton kiteboarding. There is another design process when it comes to windsurf sails. And there's another design process when it comes to wetsuits, for instance. So um, we, yeah, we pretty much depending on, you can say depending on the product group, um, we have different tests. So um, for kites, for instance, we do all the like pretty much all the design without the print graphics we do in-house this means we start with um in, in collaboration with our r&d team we start with uh, the color concept when we start into a new season so there's there's a research involved there's um just uh, there's discussion with r&d involved and with sales like how many how many stock colors do we have? Is there any stock colors? Usually at the end of the season, there's like stock colors that we have to carry over into the new season. That's just like a, a normal process because with the amount of cards that we, we are doing, you cannot like end up with like zero fabric at the end of the season, right? You always because have some we, left over. We always have some leftovers. And um, I mean, you know, it's a constant production process we don't really we don't start like we don't stop at christmas and then start in january it's like it's a constant process and we don't produce like season uh 2022 in one shot and then season two, 2023 so there's like 23 there's new models and old models mixed and um, during the season so also this involves obviously this involves a certain material planning especially now through through the these two last crazy years where the lead times went like insane i mean we used to have lead times lead times for canopy fabrics for like i think four months was like the standard in the last years mm -hmm. and now it went up nine months so this, wow. this you can imagine yeah. that this includes like a much more long-term planning also when it comes to the design right um okay so we start pretty much with uh, with the color concept so we do a big research um we check what colors uh, will be a fashion in the next years like and we we come up with a color concept we mix this or we try to incorporate this with the stock colors that we have to use basically um and then we we work on the panel design of the kind so by now we can pretty much yeah, cut you can say we can cut pretty much everything into the kites without affecting the performance on a significant level or like on a measurable level right yeah um so when uh, I speak to Ralph and Ken and um, exchange ideations about what we have in mind with the panel design and um, f for some some ideas, we generate or we build a prototype just to see it in real or we do renderings first and then, um, yeah, then do a prototype. Um, just to step in here, Florian, for our listeners as well. So um, we're talking about Ralph and Ken here. These are two of our kite designers which are responsible for the shapes 
of the kites um, in, I guess, in some ways, not how they look, but how they feel. They're often seen flying secret um, blank kites sometimes around the world with some of the athletes. And are there times where you as, as, a, a, as someone that's doing a lot of the graphics and how they look, do you sometimes have arguments or clashes with those two when you say, look, we've got this nice way of making, for example, the Duotone D, which was um, uh, famously stitched into the kite um, a few years back, which I thought was wonderful. Do you ever get a bit of um, sometimes pushback from those two saying, look, this might affect the way the kite flies? Not about the flying characteristics, but about um, feasibility in production. So okay. um it, like I just said, we can like from like from technological so from a technological technological side, we can pretty much uh, cut or sew anything into the canopy that we we want to come up with. Um, but obviously, there's the the feasibility side for the production. Yeah. So if all the if the little patterns get too small, too thin, um, whatsoever. It doesn't make just it doesn't make sense in production. It also doesn't look good because you know that a kite is uh, each kite is quite a large product, even like a five meter. It's when you stand in front of it, it's like compared to a bike or a pair of, of soccer shoes. It's a really big sport equipment. So you have to think about this a bit in the design process, and it doesn't make sense to cut in two small pieces. Okay. Until this day, they never said this is not working from the flying characteristics. But they know the production. I, I do know the production quite well, but they know the production better than me. Um, so we can we can talk pretty good about what makes sense um, from the production perspective. You're, you're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it doesn't make sense to design something or uh, let's put it the other way around. If the production can't handle it, it's not a good design. Yeah, because okay. I mean, design has to take care not only about uh, the visual things, also about the technical things. And uh, that's also what what fascinates me about the job is that it's not like, you know, generating just a fancy, fancy look. It should also be feasible in production and it should last and, and it should be, yeah, it should be durable. And that's actually, that's the interesting part. But um, yeah, we can design pretty free, I would say. And um, then uh, we do the color concept. And finally, if this is all done, we work together like one one of our design agencies for many years, a 3 Deluxe. It's a German design agency, um, by now quite good friends of all of us. Uh, because we work together since so many so many years and um we sent the panel designs over to them brief them according to our understanding of new ideas for the graphic design and they come up with print graphics so pretty much that's that's the process and then finally we write and we design all the production data so that's the design process on a kite for instance that's in i enjoyed um i enjoyed that insight actually and i think it's fair to say stereotypically from looking in from the outside you might hear the, the words um, kite design or, or somebody that's responsible for the kite design and you naturally just think about graphics perhaps how uh, i had leading into this but you've explained about how there's a lot more to it about the way the kite's put together as well you also have to i mean your design process you explained quite nicely florin starts with looking at what colors you need to use for the next year what colors uh, will be in fashion. And on that point, how do you decide what colors will be in fashion in a year's time? That's that's quite a fascinating thing to think about. Yeah, that's a that's a tough question. I mean, uh, you can 
get or we try to get inspiration from pretty much everything. Um, I think there's uh, color harmonics on one side. So if you, for instance, say we have this dark blue that we need to carry over from this season to another, um, we will not come out with a color that doesn't match to dark blue, which is hard to not match to dark blue. It's a bad example. But I mean, obviously, there's uh, there's in, in the knowledge about color, there are certain um, rules for harmonics. And um, yeah, but you can, we've tried to seek inspiration pretty much anything, uh, anywhere. I think nature is great because there's like the best colors I've seen in my life are all from nature. There's mm -hmm. fashion, obviously, and fashion is quite ahead. Like you could say from experience that, you know, fashion is very fast, I'm not speaking about fast fashion here, but they do like, uh, if you see like uh, luxury brands, they do like two to three to four collection plus different drops and collabs and whatsoever a year. So it's much faster than the sports industry. And um, it's actually a good inspiration to see, or for me, it's a good inspiration to to see what they're doing, um, try to transfer um, things like colors or like other design elements uh, in, into the sports industry. There's the entire winter sports industry, uh, which usually promotes their new products now. So I think we just had the affair in Munich they or they they usually present their next season's products somewhere around Christmas, okay. so a bit more early than the than the summer industry. You know, it's not that there's a book you can open and and it will tell you, or there's not like this one research platform. Uh, yeah, there's obviously research platforms that you can use if you want to uh, want to know about design upcoming design trends, but there's not this one page or this one book or this one magazine that will tell you what to do. It's like, it comes out of experience. Um, I think you need a little eye for it. And um, then, yeah, then we just go for it. As funny as it sounds. It sounds like a lot, a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. As I said in the beginning, it's a team process. So I will not, um, I will not, I will not decide the entire entire color concept for Duto for the next season without the approval of my team. I mean, obviously, sometimes, or of course, I have to push them in a certain direction. And you know, we're all getting older, and um, some of some of my fellow teammates are getting a bit older than me, faster, so they get more conservative every year. I think I think Till knows that I mean him here. <laughs> I bet. So your team is, is obviously. Is, is, sorry, to him to him to this. <laughs> oh, he listens to all of them. I expect. Hi, Till. Um, so your team are a big part of this design. I want to. I want to. I want to paint a setting for you here, okay, Florian. We're right at the end of your design process. Next year's kite design is on the table. You like it. Now I want you to just sit down and imagine that I'm one of your team that's coming up to talk to you. Hey, Florian, what's up? The design of this kite, I cannot deal with this design. It's rubbish. We can't go with this one. How do, how do you reply to that person? Um, well, I, I'm a really feedback fan. Yeah. And um, I take it. Oh, you're fired. Every... <laughs> yeah. Shut up. <laughs> you're fired. No, no seriously. Seriously, I'm a, I'm a real big feedback fan. I, I think constructive feedback is it's great and it helps finally... Um, it helps, it helps to develop a better product. So I try to look into every feedback that we have and that we receive. And then what's it's, that's actually, I think the hardest part about the job in design. So for everybody who wants to work in design, there will always be feedback and, uh, just, <laughs> and there will always be people who, um, who feel it differently. And, you know, for me, I, I sometimes like to, uh, 
Yeah, sometimes I like to think about other jobs. Like if you work in, in whatever back-end programming and you tell your boss that you need like this costs that much money and it needs that much time, he will just say, yeah, okay, because he don't have a clue about back-end programming like no one has, right? Mm -hmm. And most of the people have no clue about design either, but they think they have, or like they have a meaning because they can see colors and they can see graphics and they can yeah. see proportions and everything. And this tells them if they like it or not for whatever reason. And so the, the critical thing about judging design criteria and judging design feedback is you have to ask yourself, is this like, um, is this a professional feedback? And why, like, you have to ask why. So if you would ask me this question, you just ask for fun. I would ask you, why, lose? What, like, what's the point? What I don't do like green. I don't like green. And that's, that's a perfect example of a non-professional feedback. Because oh, you cannot judge the, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. of course. Personal, design, it was more personal than it was. Yeah, but Yeah, and that's interesting because, of course, color is a major aspect about product design, right? But yeah everybody sees color different and i can judge that i learned over the years to judge um a design proposal without judging the color so actually wow. of course i can tell you this color combination doesn't look good or it does look good or it looks progressive or conservative or mainstream or whatsoever um but i can also judge the graphic design or the proportions without the color because i know the colors are exchangeable just with one click right wow so in your case i can say okay so let's Maybe let's just work on the colors of this product and then we make it orange. And instantly you were like, wow, that's a sick design. Okay. okay. But yeah, that's, okay, that's an easy fix, I guess, in that that's instance. A, that's an easy fix. But that's very interesting to understand because when we develop or we work on, on all the product designs, this is a lot of work included. And then there's our team and there's external guys and there's um, our, our graphic design agency. And it's much more complicated to change the entire design proposal than just the color. So on like pretty much all the designs or all the products that we're doing in the design process, we see a bunch of colors. So now for everybody who listens and says, yeah, but why don't you make this in a better colorway? <laughs> I just could say, sorry, it's really, you. it's just impossible to do something that everybody likes. Yeah, it's I think just, that's, a, just, that's a good I mean, if, way to look at it, yeah. I mean, if you just, um, if we stick to your example and you say, yeah, I don't like green, that's okay. But you have to admit that green is just a neutral standard color. And there's like a bunch of guys who love green, right? And yeah. it stands for peace and for um, environmentally friendly products and whatsoever and for nature. So it would be hard to say we don't use green in the design. And there's then there is your friend or your colleague or whatsoever, or your girlfriend who says, yeah, but I don't like red. So then what are we going to do? You know? So, yeah. I bet you are always dealing with, I mean, everybody has their own, own opinions and that's the, I guess the beauty of a human being is everyone likes their own thing. And you, you have to kind of like, you just showed me in that example where, where you were able to speak to one of your team, if that comes up and, and work out actually, if it's about personal interest or if it's actually about the overall design. Now, listen, we're going to move on Florian. I want some quick questions and answers for you as we wrap this podcast up um i would like to know very quickly what models and what um what types of things you are responsible wise graphic wise for duotone you can say everything or you can tell me that it's boards kites or is there is it all down to you all of the design of the products well I mean, I don't design all the products myself, is that, if that's your question. Yeah, I'm responsible for all the design of all the Duoton products, including windsurf products. Um, but yeah, I don't design them myself. 
I work with my team on certain products. So I usually work a lot on the kites, for instance, um, and on the surfboards. Um, this season, for instance, I didn't work at all on bars, on foot pads, on apparel, on accessories, on twin tips. Um, so I, I mean, as the as the creative director, I'm involved in the process of all these products. So they all. Yeah. I'll put it. I'll put it. I'll put it this way, Florian. Sorry, I've interrupted you there. Are you responsible for the final yes. design? Sorry. Okay, let's move on one more time. So we've got um we've just got about yeah, five minutes see. left, Florian. Um so so lastly, um actually just very quickly, I'd like to know in a couple of minutes, can you tell me um how much the previous edition of a kite or a board affects the next year's design? Is that something you really have to take into consideration? Does it have to flow between one year to the next or can it be totally different? It definitely need it, it it's definitely affected because beyond all design there's brand image and there's corporate design and we always want to design products that look like Dutone. Of course, one time or another time you need to make a bigger step and one time or another time you need to or you can make a smaller step. So there's a redesign and there's a facelift. You can like bring it down this way. And we decide in the team whether we go this way or the other. Okay, thank you. And my last question for you now, Florian, it's been really wonderful today to think a little bit more about what it is you're doing there in Munich uh, behind the scenes as creative director. So there must be many listeners listening, maybe young creative people that are thinking, wow, how do I get into a job like you've done? What what, what would be your advice for them in, in just a minute and a half here? What's your advice for, for young people perhaps looking to have a job like yours? Well, I can just say that it's if you're if you feel like you're a creative person and you like products and you like or you like graphic design, um, it's it's a great chance and a great opportunity to like study something graphic design, industrial design, architecture. It's all kind of like has the same influence, just the the amount of, or the the products have a different size. So graphic design is all two D and online industrial design you can say it's just uh it's 3d but it's smaller and architecture is 3d but it's bigger so um yeah if you if you feel that this could be something for you it's uh it's definitely a really great job um there is not this one job in design or in, in industrial design you can work in small offices with like a various amount of different projects uh, little design offices that do a chair today and um, custom electronics the other day and uh, graphic design in next week. And you learn a lot and you can work in uh, in larger scale company. Um, you can work in automotive, you can work in the sporting industry. So there's like a lot of job opportunities. And the advice I can give is like, it's, it's kind of like tough studies, I would say. And um, it's something that you really have to be dedicated to do it otherwise i don't think that you'll be um finding that, that you won't be happy later on so um maybe do an internship um speak to people who work already in, in something creative uh, who work in if you're like i mean there's obviously kite surfers listening here so if you or kite surfers or wind surfers if you um if you're into water sports try to yeah try to get an internship speak to people who work um in there 
and uh, find out for yourself if that's something you you think of doing. And um, keep in mind that we work a lot of years, so <laughs> decide carefully. But it's cool. I can and you ne- <laughs> I can just encourage anybody who who feels creative to do something in this way because it's um yeah it's a really cool job I think. Well, it's been absolutely lovely to speak to you today, Floor and Creative Director of Duotone. Some lovely last messages for those thinking about getting into something like this. Who knows? Maybe you'll be looking up at your own kite design one day. Florian, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Lewis. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. And um, yeah, talk soon. Chat soon. Have a great day. And thanks for everybody who's listening. <laughs> Ciao. Danke. Tschüss.